0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I am your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. Are you signed up for The Juice? It is free, go sign up right now. You'll get access to the best B2B marketing and sales content in the world. Go check it out, there's a link in the show notes. Today's episode, I'm joined by Dustin Tysik. Dustin is the VP of Revenue at Testimonial Hero. And what we're digging into is the downfall of Checkbox Social Proof and what that means for the B2B landscape. I love his mentality. I'm a big fan of Social Proof and doing it the right way. So if you're thinking about how to activate your customers in your marketing in the right way, you're not gonna wanna miss this episode. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons, but most importantly, tell a friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I think it is something we haven't discussed enough on this show. We're going to be talking about social proof and specifically the downfall of checkbox social proof and what it means for the B2B marketing landscape. I'm excited for today's guest. I'm joined by Dustin Tysik, who's the VP of Revenue at testimonial hero. Dustin, excited for this one. How are you? I'm doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. This
1: is a topic near and dear to my heart as well. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Maybe we start off here with just like maybe the the skinny on testimonial hero. Obviously, yeah. like the name indicates that you <laughs> help support this, which I, I I don't think is a big surprise, but maybe talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I mean, the short of it is we help
1: companies create video testimonials is, you know, the one sentence, what does the product do? But, you know, if you dig in a little bit deeper, our goal is to help companies use social proof and testimonial videos throughout the entire buyer's journey, rather than, you know, one and done, create a video put on the website.
0: So we're trying to drive that shift there and get it throughout the entire buyer's journey. Awesome. And I I think like, I'm going to come at this and say, I think social proof in general and B2B has gotten better. I think there's still certainly a lot of work to do. And maybe we start from the top and just like define for anyone who is maybe unfamiliar or unsure exactly what we're talking about, defining social proof and maybe just like its place in the B2B go-to-market process.
1: Yeah, so I, I might be getting this wrong, but I think the original term was by Cialdini in influence like back in the 80s or something. I think that's where it originally came from. But basically it's, you know, people copy the actions of others. So seeing others who recommend a product has more of like a psychological and emotional impact and helps them see that, okay, maybe this is a product or service worth considering. So that's kind of the, I guess, old school definition of it. What it kind of morphed to, especially in B2B, was case studies and reference calls for the longest time. And then I feel like now it's coming out of that and really expanding from there.
0: I, I want to give you a bonus points and props for referencing Cialdini. I think you were the first person to reference uh, <laughs> him in his book, Influence, which is kind of a beast, but I would recommend it is, to yeah. any mark, marketer out there. It's like, the blocking and tackling and the fundamentals of how we do marketing. And I still use, especially like on the reciprocity stuff he talks about, uh, there's so much in that book that I think today we as marketers, as we run and there's AI and all these other things, like go back to that one and read it, check it out, right? Read the spark notes. There's probably a thing or two that you can apply into your day to day.
1: Yeah. I mean, even ask ChatGPT to summarize it and get get it that (laughs) way.
0: (laughs) There you go. Um, And so maybe like, types of social proof that fit in kind of this checkbox category? I mean, you you referenced some, but maybe like expand on that a little more. And, and, and why don't they work now like they maybe would have worked 5, 10 years ago? Yeah.
1: So I think to me, when I say checkbox, I mean something at the end of the journey that they have to do usually for their boss. Like even when we hire, right? Most of the time reference calls that you have to do them, but unless mm-hmm. they say something completely crazy, it's already a done deal by that point. And that's usually what social proof is. You know, it's a case study towards the end of the sales process or a reference call towards the end of the sales process. And that worked okay when buyers controlled the entire journey. Or or sorry, when sellers controlled the journey, but now buyers self-educate, you know, they do 80% of their work before they reach out to you. So if you're not getting social proof throughout that journey, you're probably losing deals you're not even aware of. So that's been kind of the shift there is you know, buyer behavior has changed substantially. And that old school kind of generic checkbox content at the end, people don't get to that stage anymore.
0: So I think there's so many things that we still do that I consider, this is right. This show is modern day marketer. We talk about these things, but there's still like so many of these old school things that we do as marketers because... We it's maybe what we always learned. It's what our what got our yeah. boss's boss promoted. It's what we view as a successful strategy. But the shift, right, has been this shift in like the buyers having all the controls, control yeah. and the sellers not having as much. And I know there's like, there's a lot of things. There's like social proof, there's forms, there's all of these things we yeah. talk about. But maybe share like how we can maybe elevate like this a little bit further. Because I feel like outside of like a conversation like this, most marketers who are doing it probably don't even know they're doing something that's expired.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tricky one because I find, like even in my past, lots of times I would say, create case studies that I wasn't pumped about, but sales says, hey, I want a case study from this industry. And that's kind of a checkbox thing as well. You have a spreadsheet. Yeah, I need one of these. I don't really care if it's an interesting story, you know, all of that. So I think if marketers look internally at some of the stuff they've created before, and speaking for myself as well, a lot of it wasn't good. Like it didn't have a compelling story. So I think it's just taking that pause and thinking with any content, would I actually read this? Would I actually care about this? And if not, and if it's just some 2000 word beast that's going to live on your website that no one's going to look at, think about different ways to do it or how to chop it up and, you know, take a different approach.
0: I love it. And maybe I'll share some of, kind of how I think about this and would love to hear maybe some kind of alternatives to this old school thinking, but you know, we're a small company and it's like you protect every customer you get in the door, right. You try to learn from them, try to figure out how I can take what we're learning in a, apply to get more of these same type of customers, especially if they're happy. So it's as simple as like, all right, going to a website, making sure that their logos are there, making sure that like we at The Juice are curating their content on social and doing all of those Mm -hmm. things, making sure they're a part of our content to help maybe not validate our product, but validate our uh, point of view on just the problem we saw in the the market. So like, those are some things that like hand-to-hand combat with the customer and making sure that they're just like in everything we do is kind of how I think about it at the juice, but I'd love to learn a little bit more from you just in terms of what are some of these modern alternatives that you think about?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it, like this is, I think a trend or not even a trend, it's the reality across content now is you have to chop things up to bite-sized pieces depending on the journey. And I think that's really key. So that's kind of where I was going with, you know, this two minute testimony, or even let's say a 2000 word case study if I'm super early days and I'm looking at, let's just say I'm looking for a sales engagement tool and I have five on my list, I'm not going to go read five case studies that sound the same from each company. What I will do is I'll watch a 30 second video or you know anything like that that's nice and short. So it's creating the right content to fit the right stage. And then the other part is you're asking for you know potentially 30, 40 minutes of your customer's time Make the most out of it. Don't do like a one and done generic piece. Create something that you can chop up and actually take the time to, to do that so that you can you know distribute it throughout the entire journey.
0: I love to, th- there's this thread that's moving in B2B marketing and it's just like kind of the the rise of the individual creator or the rise yeah. of the individual at companies. And I think about this a lot and I'd love to know your perspective with the social proof lens. Like, what do you think is more important? Is it more important to highlight a brand that is your customer? Or is it more important to highlight a person that is using your product that works for said brand? Like, what do you think? What, what do you lead with?
1: Yeah, I, it's tough. I mean, if it's a giant company, you know, there, there is something to be said for that. And having that social proof of this massive company that could show us anyone with us. But I do think the more compelling stories are from the individual point of view because that's what you relate to. If you told me, you know, Microsoft used our product okay, cool. If you told me the VP of marketing at this company used our product, this was the result. This is, you know, he got promoted because of it. He made a big change at the company. Here's the compelling story. I would relate to that more because people relate to people not to, you know, faceless corporations. So, you know, a little bit of both. If you have that massive company, why not get some social proof, but tell it from the lens of the actual person, not the
0: company. I love that. And maybe just like to click one, one more layer deeper, I think yep. about social proof and right. We get prospecting emails all the time. Yep. Everybody who's listening to this show gets it. And oftentimes like, feel like it's one of those cases where the SDR the BDR the sales rep on the other end they're they're trying right they they put in the social proof and they put in companies or brands that are using their product but when i as the future customer of theirs potentially look at the uh, logos they don't feel like the yeah. juice it's not i we are not microsoft <laughs> we're yeah. and so like there's a little bit of a disconnect so i'm curious is there maybe a wrong way to use social proof in your opinion
1: yeah, I mean, I think, first off, you need a lot of it. So you can actually be relevant. I think that's kind of the wrong way. Sometimes people think they have five logos, for example, that they have case studies, testimonials from, and they think that's enough, but they might not have full coverage. And not even from a does this company look like me perspective, but from a what are the problems I'm experiencing perspective. So like one of our objections we get from large companies, for example, just as a concrete example here is we have an in-house video team we don't need you. So, you know, we have HubSpot saying we also have a giant in-house video team, but we work with them because of X, Y, Z. We have similar things for like startup companies where they have different problems and it's a bandwidth thing. So we have someone like them talking to that specific problem. So I think people underestimate the amount of content they need and they should do it kind of like how they would do a website. What are the question, fears, and doubts people are experiencing at each stage? And then kind of, matrixing and mapping it out so that you have coverage across all of it.
0: I love it. That makes a ton of sense. And maybe I want to get into like talking a little bit about the research component and just maybe as a mark, as a marketer, I think about, as we've expanded our business right we've got many different types of customers now and they maybe different roles who use our product to do certain things and so that doesn't like with that those use cases they vary as you know we've grown as a business so like when i think about research i think about like going in talking to cs Learning about how the demand gen marketer is using it, learning how the brand yeah. marketer is using it, and so to me, it's maybe like a little digging into HubSpot or Salesforce or that conversation with the CSM or potentially the sales rep who closed the deal. Maybe talk a little bit about just like how you think about the research component. Is it those motions? Is it more? Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, pretty similar actually. How I, how I think about it, you know, to figure out as marketers, you you know, we're covering the whole journey where we should be at least from awareness to renewal, expansion, upsell, but CS is closest to the customer. Sales is closest to the prospect. So that is where I go. So if we're going to, you know, say I got a customer who agreed because they have a compelling story, I'm going to go to the rep. I'm going to go to the CS person, ask for the details, ask for anything that came up in the journey, because I think it's important to know that so you can ask intelligent questions. If you're asking the same 15 questions in every interview, like imagine your podcast, if you just asked everyone the same question after two or three, it's pretty boring. So kind of a similar approach there on the customer side. And I think the research angle too, the other thing is like, yeah, you're going to have two minute video, a 30 second video, et cetera, but you're going to have 45 minutes of a customer talking about you, which is priceless customer feedback. So don't leave that on the cutting room floor, like actually take insights Know, learn from that as a marketer or salesperson.
0: I love it. Uh, And maybe I wasn't thinking about this up until you described that about a customer talking about us. But like sometimes we as the marketers are the proactive ones that are saying, "Hey, our CSM says you're loving the product. Yeah, we're doing the we're doing this podcast. We're doing this webinar. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And through that, right, you get social proof. You gain testimonials. But then it's there's sometimes it's like the the less manufactured approaches where like they just show up somewhere on a podcast or somewhere else and talk about you because they love you. Is there a difference with just like how we are supposed to be thinking about those two different scenarios or not? I'd love for you to maybe dig into that.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the main difference is one you can kind of control and plan and the other you can't. I do think that organic someone in a Slack community Promoting your company without even knowing about it is probably the most powerful kind of social proof. And from a demand gen and brand perspective, we should all be striving for that. Like, you know, I face lights up when I see in CMO Coffee Talk or a different Slack channel that I'm in where Testimony Heroes mentioned, because that's gold, right? There's nothing better than that. But you can't really control that and you can't really repurpose that. And most companies won't even know that's going on. It's kind of, you know, dark social happening behind the scenes. So I think strive for that as a brand, make your customers happy. Like we were talking about, you know, Casper before this a little bit, how they maybe drop the ball, focus on customer experience, but more of the social proof I'm talking about is the plans. You know, these are the stories and customers and people we want to highlight.
0: Stay tuned to a modern day marketer newsletter coming to you soon. (laughs) We will, we won't get into it here, but we will, I will share my thoughts and it'll be a little bit of a teaser. So go sign up for the newsletter link is in the show notes. Uh, Talk a little bit about media types. You mentioned like snack size. We talk a lot about content distribution here and just making sure like you're leveraging everything you're doing from a content perspective across the channels and kind of creating it for those channels. How does social proof fit into that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, admittedly, I'm biased towards video because we're video first, but I don't just do video. I just think it's the best medium to capture as much as possible, because then you get video, audio, you get the transcript, and you can chop it up. So I would say lead with video. And it's kind of my approach to a podcast, even not on a top, like, different topic, but that's the best medium to get the most amount of content. And then make sure some people don't like watching videos. They want to read a you know, two-sentence clip instead. And if you're running ads, for example... You're going to want all the different mediums you're going to want video ads you're going to want image ads so lead with video chop up different video formats at the appropriate length for the channel so our approach there is you know we have like quote card ads for example on linkedin when people aren't aware we have 15 second kind of why testimony are important type video ads and then as you get further down the funnel it gets longer and longer so you know it's a one minute sales asset or a couple paragraphs for a customer and that's kind of how we map it because No one's going to invest that much time up front. It's just the reality, right? They're not going to sit there and watch or listen to all that.
0: No doubt about it. Curious. And I'm saying this all from a marketing point of view because I'm a marketer, but it could be different. But if you're a marketer at an early stage company and you start to get customers and you know, come around renewal time and customers renew, maybe that can be an indicator. Maybe it's early. I'd love to know maybe how early we should be thinking about gaining social proof and maybe just like some ways we can go about doing that.
1: Yeah. I think as an early stage company, start as soon as you can. Right. But I think from a, when do you make in the ask, which, you know, you mentioned renewal, for example, we also start super early there because that's a common problem our customers have. And most marketers have is how do I ask them? When do I ask them? CS is maybe gatekeeping them a bit. So you need a process in place. And we actually build it into discounting. Like we we don't want to just give you five, 10% off for no reason. We should have an exchange of value. So for example, we will do that at the start where prospect is about to sign on. They want a discount. We say, Yeah, we can do that in exchange for a testimonial six months down the road if you're happy. So you know, we do it there, we build it into renewal, we build it into CSAT and NPS. Kind of triggers, so there's a whole range of places to do that.
0: That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about how should we organize our team around social proof. The marketer can probably lead the charge. Chances are that most of the rich information and stories are within CS. Maybe talk a little bit about like good ways to get those stories out so that you can then go apply them to just your website, your email campaigns, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a bigger company. Issue that I think most companies should have an actual unified revenue team between marketing, sales, and CS, or at least some overlap between them, so that they're connected. Otherwise, this is really hard. Like I think anyone who's been in marketing for a while has had that, where sales won't talk to their prospects, CS might not let you talk to their customers, and they kind of hold them close sometimes, and there's a bit of red tape. So I think that's the key. First, is set that up, and the other part is get them bought into seeing the value. It's you know it's really easy with sales because best salespeople have in their mind two dozen customer stories that they pull out on the fly. Like they have those, so they see the value. So, you know, get them bought in, bring them along the journey and make it a collaborative thing. So as you're mapping, what does a prospect need to hear? Talk to sales. What does someone need to hear to renew or upsell or try this new product? Talk to CS. Then they're bought in. It just makes the process way, way easier. And it's like a collaborative effort rather than marketing driving this thing that CS and sales don't want to deal with right
0: now. No doubt. And We always want to measure things. I know sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't, but I'm curious, what is the, like, what is, is there a success metric? What is a successful implementation of, you know, this social proof process start to look like? Yeah. So, I mean, in our case, we, just depending
1: where it goes in the funnel, depending what we measure. So just an example there, we run LinkedIn campaigns to a targeted list of a few thousand tech companies that we want to buy our product and services. So I'm looking at how many of those companies, you know, using LinkedIn reporting and some reverse IP lookup on the site, how many of those companies that we're targeting ended up getting on the site because of these testimonial videos and ads we're running. I can't look at closed revenue at that stage because they're not there yet, right? They're completely cold, not aware. Down the funnel, though, you can look at different things. Like Say you use Highspot or a similar sales enablement tool. You can look at you know, how often these social proof assets were used at that stage. Of course, on the website, you can track with Vidyard, Wistia, you can build CTAs and track directly that way. So I think that's the key is first look at where you're using the content and then figure something to measure it. Because that your CFO, especially nowadays, is always going to ask mm. that. How do we figure out if this is successful? And you can't just say, trust me, because they they don't trust you right now. It's hard to get budget. So yeah, really think about the stage first.
0: I love it. I, I learned a ton in this conversation just regarding social proof. Some of the things that I wasn't necessarily thinking about before this call. I hope you all did too. Dustin, this was a ton of fun. Excited about what you're all doing at Testimonial Herald. We'll have to talk more about Social Proof because I think this is the first time we've dedicated an episode to it on Modern Day Marketer. So I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, Brett, thanks for having me. That was fun. And if anyone wants to reach out, connect on LinkedIn, I'm always open to it. Dustin,
0: was full of insights, knowledge, and information on just social proof, the mediums for which we should consider it, and how to engage and interact cross-functionally with members of the team to bring those stories to life. Really enjoyed this one. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Modern Day Marketer on the other side.